0: thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. Speaking of today and how today's gone this morning, uh, when we get overwhelmed, what do we do? We often retreat back. We turtle up. I don't know if you could tell, like I was a little overwhelmed this morning. It started like when Mary was making coffee. So I was nice. I was a nice husband and I, I had the coffee going. We were using pour over, so I had the kettle going. And you know that there's a little bit more danger involved when you're doing a pour over. And um, I'm getting ready, all of a sudden I hear her 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 scream, drop something, and then her substitute cuss word, because she isn't. That's not her knee jerk reaction is to cuss, was shoot a monkey. And uh, she, she will kill You can talk to her about this later when, when we're eating together, and, and I can get right home and sleep on someone else's couch. But anyway, like she burned herself on the hot water. And I felt, so that kind of spun our morning into a, we were kind of overwhelmed, uh, which surprisingly was not supposed to be in my notes today. But when we get overwhelmed, we turtle up. Like We retreat, we shrink back, we, we isolate ourselves from community, don't we? Like when something happens, we, we immediately disengage. It's, a, it's like a defense mechanism. When I was in college, I had, a, I had a paper I had to do. So we just sang a couple songs. Well, one of them was from a guy named Chris Tomlin. Arguably the, the last one it's kind of from Chris Tomlin. I asked Sally about it. She's like, no, that's from Keith Green from like a long time ago. Back from when our parents were singing those kind of songs. I'm like, what? I have a terrible memory. My name is James, by the way. And uh, so I was in college, and I lived in Hattiesburg. I lived on West Fourth Street, so I lived right down the school, uh, right down the road from U.S.M. Now I was at a different school, but I was right down the road from U.S.M. And there was a Chris Tomlin concert. I could have walked to it. I really could have, and I should have. But I was overwhelmed. I was a good student and I waited to the last minute uh, the night before paper was due. And so it was do my paper or go to the concert with friends. I bet you can guess what I did. Actually, that's a trick question. I did not go to the concert, I should tell you. I turtled, I withdrew from community and I did my paper. Fast forwarded just a little bit. I was uh, doing my master's degree. I remember when I first started my master's degree Golly, I don't know, 2006, seven, something like that. And I remember, again, I waited to almost the last minute. And I had another paper to do. And this time it was like a 20-page paper. And so I get into my... I go upstairs into my office. My office was secluded from everyone else at the church that I was at. And there was no internet connection anyway. And so I couldn't get cell phone service or internet. And so everything was unplugged. And I had everything for about 14 hours. I worked straight on this, on this paper. Again... Away from people, away from others, away from community. Fast forward a little bit more. Uh, you all know about, uh, that we've lost a couple uh, sons. And when Oliver passed, I remember um, that very next day, that very next Sunday, the day after our funeral, or his funeral, I went to a whole nother church. I'm like, I am not going to the church that I was at. I didn't want to be around people. That's like our natural defense mechanism. When we are overwhelmed, I don't want to be around people. I don't to, I just. I just want to be by myself. And the problem with that, like, can you like just imagine the the converse? Okay, just imagine the the the, the change. Can you imagine feeling overwhelmed? Any of y'all overwhelmed today? Imagine yourself feeling overwhelmed. A big decision going on in your life or in your mind. A lot of stuff going on and hitting you all at once. Can you imagine you thinking, Hmm, I know what will help this. I'm going to go to all of my friends' workplaces and I'm gonna invite them to a party at my house and we're just gonna have a party at my house. That's That's not what we do, do we? But we kind of should. We miss community. And oftentimes we miss Jesus in the process because Jesus built us for community. When we have problems, when we have issues, we need to reach out to others with our sights on Jesus. We forget that Jesus works in the crowds of life. Uh, The purpose of the message today isn't the crowds of life. Uh, The purpose, like the main point today, is that Jesus has the power. Jesus has all power over any of our problems. He has all power over any of our problems. If we're looking at a thousand names of Jesus, which is just another way to say that his names, his roles, what he does and who he is is inexhaustible. Like in all of our life, we could not exhaust knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But being in the crowd can remind us, especially if the crowd is the church. So sometimes we probably need to be in the crowd. We'll be be there today, Mark chapter five. You can go on and flip there. I want to tell you that Jesus always spoke of us. In the three years of ministry that we have recorded in Scripture, he was always speaking about community. He was speaking about togetherness. Even in his prayers, he was speaking like in the plural, like, God, we did this, and we did this for these people. And he was always looking at community. He always wanted to be around. Even like when he was isolated, he was still praying for it, thinking about what his mission was. Uh, the, the author of the book of Hebrews, he speaks a couple different times, or she, we're not sure who wrote it. But the author of the book of Hebrews one time writes... That we would be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, like when we enter into heaven, like there's going to be a great crowd of witnesses, a, a holy roar of people cheering you on. You finish the race. Community, Peter, uh, Peter, in his in his little epistle, he talk, in his epistles talks about how we are stones that we are all little stones that God is using together to build His temple. Paul, he talks about that we are the body of Christ. And there's that imagery over and over and over again. We are the body of Christ. Again, the, uh, the, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, he says that we should not neglect the meeting together. Like We should not neglect getting together. So I'm excited that we're going to eat in just a little bit. I'm excited that we're here today. I'm excited that for you ladies, that we have Bible study this afternoon. I'm excited that we have opportunities to be together. Peter, Acts chapter 4, he says it this way, he says, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the pippy of Israel that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. Like there was a guy that was lame from birth and he was sitting by a, a gate called Beautiful and he was, he was like kind of a beggar because he's like, I'm an outcast, no one likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. And so he's kind of looking for people and all of a sudden Peter and John walk by and Peter... Peter sees him, the guy's like, hey, can you, can you spare anything? He's like, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus get up and walk. And the guy gets up. So Peter tells the crowd he's like, I want you to know, all of you to know that this guy was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. He was telling a crowd that. John chapter 20 at the very end of John's book, his, his first book of his gospel, he says, I mean, that's the way, like, I, I just started schoolwork, by the way. Um, started classes the other day, and you can always tell, if you're trying to, like, skim through, y'all, y'all know the trick with school, right? Like, if you want to know, you don't have to read every word in your book. You just read the first sentence of each paragraph and the last sentence of each paragraph, and if either of those look very interesting, you gotta dig into that paragraph a little bit more. If they look dumb, you just move on to the next paragraph, right? You get it? All right, so, uh, thankfully, I have a used book, and, like, so everything's highlighted. I'm like, praise the Lord. So anyway, at the very end of John's book, he says it this way. He says, these things are written. Everything that's written in the book of John is written so that believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He wrote it so we would know as a people that we could have power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is praying, John chapter 17, verse 12. He's praying to God right before he goes to the cross. And he says, during my time here, God, I protected them by the power of the name that you gave me. So, like Jesus is bringing it all together. There's power in the name in the group of people. The community needs to know it. So there's something about community for sure, but there's so much more about the power of the name of Jesus. His very name makes demons shudder. like They quake. So when you feel drained, find power in Jesus' name. Like when you feel drained in life, when, when you like it's... I can have power from Jesus Christ himself. He's so... (laughs) There was one article I read that said that perhaps Jesus was porous with his power. What do you... Like, you you understand what I mean? It's kind of like a sponge. There's a whole bunch of pores in the sponge, and you get it a little bit wet, and it soaks it up. And that's what we usually think about, right, with sponges, that they soak it up. But if you ever take a sponge and you're, like, washing your car, which I don't wash my car, but if you ever wash your car... And you dip it in in a bucket, like it's not just that it soaks up stuff, but you saturate it and it's just coming out everywhere. Someone's like someone suggested that Jesus was porous with his power. It's like he was giving it to anybody and everybody who wanted it. When you feel drained, you can find power in his name. So the, the idea is don't turtle up. Especially don't turn from Christ and then to anything else. And that's why we read Jeremiah chapter 10 this morning. We don't turn to anything else. We don't turn to money. Well, my money will fix it. We don't turn to our friends. Well, just my friends will fix it. We do need community. Especially godly community. We don't turn to TV or drugs or alcohol. We don't turn to these things to fix whatever it is that's going on in our minds or overwhelming us. No, no, no. We turn to Jesus. There's healing in no other name. There's no other name under heaven by which we'll be saved. There's no other name. So... Mark chapter five. I hope you flip there with me. We'll read a little bit. I want to give you some background real quick. The story of it's the story of man. It's the story of a man, and uh, and his significance. So Mark chapter five is really a story of two people, but the larger story is about a man named Jairus, and he was kind of significant. He was a he was a spiritually significant person. He was important in the synagogue. And so he's kind of the upper echelon kind of guy. And then you have, like, he lives in the rich part of town. And then, and then there's this little story, and that's what we're going to look at today, starting in verse 25, of a woman who is poorer than poor. And she's, she lives in the dumps. He lives in the upper echelon. Everyone likes him. Everyone's ostracized her. So that's what we're gonna be looking at. So this guy named Jairus, he comes to Jesus. like, hey, my daughter's dying. This female's dying. I need you to come and save her. And she's like, cool, I'm on my way. And then we pick up to the story, this interruption in the middle of a crowd. Uh, If you wanna take some notes, just real quick. Mark chapter four, verses 35 to 41. We find that Jesus is greater than nature. Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20 we find that Jesus is greater than demons this story here verses 25 to 34 Jesus is greater than disease and then verses 35 to 43 Jesus is greater than death and I love it because it's so early in the book of Mark and you, you already are seeing the power of the name of Jesus and he's greater than nature and demons and disease and death He's like, there's absolutely nothing that Jesus can't do. Absolutely nothing. He's like, well, you know, okay, so maybe he can stop the wind. That's, yeah, that's kind of big. But can he stop demons? Yes. Okay, okay, that's a big deal. Okay, he's a, he's a, he's from the, he's a Winchester boy. He can, shoot, he can shoot down some demons. I got it. But can he, can he stop illnesses? Yes. And then all of a sudden you get, okay, but can he defeat death? Yes. And then we'll, what a precursor to the fact that he will die on the cross. Can he defeat death? Yes. And then he rises from the grave. That's beautiful. Jesus has all power over any of our problems. So, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. A woman was suffering from bleeding for 12 years. How many years? 12. That's a lot of time. She had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had when was not helped at all at all. And on the contrary, she became worse. I want to tell you about a couple words here. Number one, bleeding. It is exactly, women, what you think about when you think of a woman bleeding. They do the exact same words. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 to 27. They talk about ritual purity. And when a woman is bleeding, for a little while, she is richly impure. So everything she touches now, like my little water bottle, which I want to drink before it gets unclean, it's dirty. If she she was to touch you, you're dirty. You can't be around people. You have to do a special ritual cleansing so you can be uh, acceptable again. Did you know that Leviticus says that she can't make offerings to God because she is ritually unclean? And they didn't have the, the stuff, the modern amenities that we have nowadays. They didn't have the different stuff at the grocery stores or the supermarkets or wherever you go or the doctor's offices, whatever. They don't have any of that. And so when you're bleeding, you're bleeding, you're unclean, you get away. You're not a bad person, you just can't be around people. That's what was going on here. And for her, it was 12 years. Interestingly enough, if you're unclean and you can't touch people, literally can't touch people, you can't be around people. If you can't give offerings to God for that week, guess what? You're not a part of the community, the spiritual community, for a week. She's been ostracized. She's cut off for a week. This woman, unfortunately, it was not one week. It was 12 years. She was lumped in with lepers. We find this in Mark chapter 1. Jesus has a story about healing lepers. She was marked in with the paralytics. The paralytic people, Mark chapter 2, she was lumped in with this man with a withered hand. He just had a weird looking hand. And she was lumped in with that guy. Like, I'm just bleeding. He's got a withered hand. Doesn't matter. You're unclean. You can't be a part of us. She was lumped in, Mark chapter 8, with blind people. All of these people, there was something wrong with. In the book of Leviticus tells the Jewish people, you can't be a part of community, and you can't be a part of anything else. Get away. Lepers, you know this story if you've been around church long enough. Like You've probably heard that they actually had, had to announce unclean, unclean wherever they walked. So not only were they unclean, and stuff was falling off, or scabs were coming up on their skin, but now they had to announce it to the world in case you didn't already know. You can't be around me, and I'm, does it, I don't look like you, and I don't have it all together. I'm overwhelmed, and I need people, but I can't be around you. And now this woman's a part of that group. But you know what's interesting about being a part of the outcasts? Like when you're part of the outcasts, you are outcasted from the outcasts because you still can't be around each other. So I want you to see the gravity here when it says a woman was suffering from bleeding. She was suffering indeed. The the social and spiritual aspect of her suffering was terrible. She went to a lot of different doctors. She spent everything she had... And she became poor as a result. For twelve years, she's like, I just, she just spent all the money that she had, and then Scripture tells us that it became worse. I want to tell you that the name of Jesus allows us to be a part of community again. No matter what we've done, the name of Jesus allows us to be a part of a people again. Mark chapter 5, so just a few verses earlier, you can take a look at this, verses 18 and 19. This man that Jesus had healed, he had demons. He's like, Jesus, can, can I be with you? He begged Jesus earnestly that he could remain with him. And guess what Jesus said? Jesus did not let him, but told him, verse 19, he says, Go home to your own people. Jesus wasn't like, hey, I want to mass a crowd. He's like, no, 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 I want to heal you, and I want to send you out to the rest of your community. Because I want them to know about the power of my name. Go home to your own people. We want that. You know how I know that? Because we all long to belong. Like we all want to be a part of a group. We all want to be a part of a people. And that's why I'm glad that we're here at C112, where we can gather together, we can encourage one another towards towards a growing relationship with Jesus. So having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. He had a reputation. She comes up behind him. In the crowd, she touched his clothing. I love it that having heard about Jesus, when, like you're here, you're in community for whatever reason, you're here today and you've heard about the name of Jesus and you know that that's what we preach here at C112. You know that and you're like, well, I'm going to be a part of it in some way, shape or form, whether it's, our gathering, whether it's to stay and we'll eat lunch. Well, by the way, we have lots of food today. Or whether it's like, hey, I'm going to come, come a little bit later this afternoon or I'm going to go hang out. Like at part of community was I had someone drag me along to, to a race yesterday. And then I won. I think I was the only one in my division. It doesn't really matter, though. I want to give you one application real quick before we move on. Who will you tell about Jesus? Like really, who will you tell about Jesus? Like I want you to put their name in your mind, or write it down, put a reminder in your phone. Who will you tell about Jesus? Is it a coworker? Is it is it is it someone that you see often? Like maybe the barista at the coffee shop. Is it the the at my work? So I work hospice. You know that at my work, there's a FedEx guy that comes by every day. Now, I'm not in the office every day, but if I was, I would know his name. I would know his, the name of his spouse and know the name of his kids. I'd know how to pray for him. I'd know what his favorite food was. I'd know if he likes flies flying around on his head. I would know everything about the guy because I just asked him many questions. And you know what else he would know? He'd know about Jesus. So Who is it that you're around regularly? Who could you, who will you tell about Jesus? Who is outside that needs to be inside? That's what we're looking at here. That's why we call ourselves door holders here at C112. Because we've been on the inside of Jesus and his community. And now it's time for us to open the doors for people to come in. And they get to see who Jesus is too. So, having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his clothing. I love that Mark put this in here. Uh, Matthew records that there were some bells and fringes and stuff. But like, why... Why does it matter that she touched his clothing? A lot of people will think, oh, well, maybe those prayer cloths on TV like are a big deal after all. And like, the point isn't the clothing at all. The clothing really doesn't have anything to do with it. Like in verse, 30, in verse 30, it says that once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. Not from his clothes, but from him. So it has nothing really to do with the clothing. I love it because it says, it says, um, she touches his clothing, she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. How many of us, like we have religious relics, maybe in your past, there's a religious relic that you had and you're like, it's important that I have these beads or I have this cloth or I have this whatever, this shroud of terrain or whatever. And like we put our faith and our trust in these, these things that don't matter and we, our faith and our trust needs to be on Jesus himself. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. It dried up. She, see, she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Like, she knew it. And you know it, don't you? When you're overwhelmed and then Jesus, like, you trust Jesus to, to handle your issue, and you know it right then. You're like, I feel peace now. Like, it's like this... Breath of fresh air. It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. you know it? You've been in that spot before. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you today that today you can say, Jesus, I want to trust you with whatever it is that I'm overwhelmed with. Verse 30. It says, immediately Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. Now that power is the same word that we get for dynamite. That's, that's dynamite there that I just drew. That's a stick also just Christmas tree on a stick. But like in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says that all power he gives, the Holy Spirit will give us all power. When the, when the Holy Spirit's power comes on you, then you can go be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the rest of the world. He's like, I want you to be my witnesses everywhere. But we need that dynamite power. It's the Greek word dunamis, and it's where we get the word dynamite from. And so Jesus is like, I wanna get, like there's a dynamite power I wanna give to you, Acts chapter one. There's this dynamite power that had gone, out, gone out, of, out from him. It is the same power, if you look up the word power, if you look at the word dunamis, it's the same word that's used when they're talking about like, the power of Jesus' name over and over and over and over again in, in the New Testament. I looked it up, I'm like, no, that can't be right. And I'm looking through all of them, I'm like, wow. All the mentions were this dynamite power, not just a little bit of power, but an explosive amount of power. You know, when I was a kid, we had G.I. Joe's. Did y'all ever play with Toys in it as a kid? <laughs> so G.I. Joe's back in the day were really good. And um, nowadays they're terrible, but back in the day they were, they were made in like China and they were really, really cool. And so they were articulate. And so like, I remember one time like, we had an extra G.I. Joe and he was a loser G.I. Joe. And so we got an M60 or M80. Is it an M80? M80, the red ones. And we, like, he hugged it, and we taped it around him. And I'm telling you, like, when you lit that firecracker, that thing blew up. That was some dynamite, just a little, I, think, I don't know if they've outlawed those things or what, but those are dangerous. I should know, because I'm a pyro. Anyway, I'm going to have to edit that one out. Jesus realized that dynamite power had gone out from him, so he turns around and he says, well, who, who touched my clothes? Now, his disciples did probably what we would do. Jesus, you're on a mission. Why are you bothering with this, whatever power? Like, you don't even know who it is. Jesus, is like, I'm Jesus. I know who exactly who it is. I'm just asking the question. But the disciples do what we do, and they say, You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you bother yourself with, you say, Who touched me? It's almost like the disciples are like, Who cares? Let's just keep moving. The crowds are pressing in on you. You've got a mission to do. There's a rich synagogue guy and his daughter's dying. And we've got to get there, Jesus. It's kind of funny because Jesus uses the same type of idiom. Um, not the same word, but the same, same idea. Verse 39, so skip down in your scripture in verse 39. It says, he went in, Jesus went in and he said to them, he says, well, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, just asleep. It's the same idea. He's like, "Oh, you think she's dead? No, she's just asleep." And I love that Jesus like turns it around on them. And they were just—I do that to my kids all the time. Like they say something sarcastic to me, and like I'll wait just a just a few more minutes or later in the, later in the afternoon or day, and then I'll throw it right back at them. Now I know it's not a power dad move; it's a Jesus move. Um, probably shouldn't be sarcastic with our kids, but I am anyway. People may not care. Your friends may not care. And you may turn to some people that are well-meaning they may not care. But Jesus cares. Peter actually writes that in 1 Peter 5. He says, Cast all your cares on Jesus because He cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties on Jesus because He cares for you. All of your worries, all the things that make you feel overwhelmed. Cast them on Jesus. Not because he's a great teacher. Not because he smells good. I don't know, maybe he does. Well, he did when he had that perfume put on his feet. Not because he can do miracles. You cast your worries on Jesus because he cares for you. Here's your application. We're almost done. I want us to start caring more about people. So not only do you need to tell, not only do I need to tell, not only do we need to tell more people about Jesus, but we need to care about people. So we need to ask them, well, how, how are you doing? I know technically right now you're, you're a little cold. Like I, I, When I'm sitting up in the morning, I get, I get a little warm, and now, now I'm, I'm a little chilled. So if I were to say, how are you doing? You would say, hey, I'm cold right now, and we're going to fix that. But you can ask them in your workplace. You can ask them wherever you see people. You can ask your family members. Maybe you haven't heard from somebody. Hey, how are you doing? And that's how you get to get into their lives. I love asking my patients. I'll ask them and say, how is Jesus working in your life? That's a really cool question that shows that you're caring. And then you have to listen. And then you have to respond appropriately. So, Jesus was looking around to see He's like, I do care about this. He was looking around to see who had done this to woman with fear and trembling. She knew what happened to her. She came down and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And she was expecting Jesus to be like, you are terrible. You took some of my power. I'm going to charge you like Mississippi power. This is not Coastal Electric. And I'm going to charge you through the nose. Instead, he says, he could have said woman. But instead, he uses the word for daughter. That's a big deal. He's not saying, hey, lady, ma'am, ma'am. He's not, he's not being polite. He's being familial. He's being community-minded. He's being family-oriented. He's saying, daughter. Like, he's including her as daughter. And so he says to her, your what? Your faith has saved you. It's not that Jesus made this woman come up to her she'd been bleeding for 12 years and she'd heard about him and so she went to him thinking hey I might can get healed he's like you know what heals you your faith and here's a really cool word saved you the word there in Greek is a word called sozo it's 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 the word for salvation but in in this case and it may be in your translation it also can mean made you well your faith has made you well. It's actually often in Scripture when Jesus heals people, He'll just say, hey, your faith has made you well. A lot of times He'll say, you know, you're healed. You're made well. But that's why it's often tied to salvation. It's because He's saying, hey, I healed you. Not just physically, but I've healed you inside too. Your faith has saved you. I've rescued you. You have salvation now. You've been restored. How cool. After, after 12 years, this woman is restored. She has no clue what it's like to be a part of community. For 12 years, that's over a decade. That's three presidents, probably, if you're lucky. 12 years is a long time. I can tell you how many gray hairs that is on my head. That's a lot. And now all of a sudden she's restored to community. And and guess what? Jesus says, go in peace and be healed from your affliction. How does Christ rescue us? He rescues us by our faith. She chose rescue by faith in Christ. My question as we close is what problem today, right now, do you need to trust Christ with? He cares about it. And we just need to be, now that we're in community, we just, God, I need this. I, I, I want to trust you with this. I need you to help me only with this. And he will. Jesus, thank you for today. And I thank you for these moments with my friends, God, with my brothers and sisters in Christ, God, that, like with people that you love. God, you've loved us from before time began. And you care about us. So Jesus, the power of your name, may we just go to you, may we trust you. And may we share that with other people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.